Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome to a day of prayer. If this is your first time joining us, we just want to welcome you to our morning Bible study in our family. We're so grateful to the Lord for you. Before we get into the Word, feel free to grab your Bibles and the entire family as we begin 1 Corinthians. Layla, can you open us up in prayer, please? Sure. Lord, I just thank you for today and for another opportunity to dive into your world, Lord, and to see what it is that you have for us, Lord, and to experience your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord, as you teach and train and equip us, Lord. And I ask that you'll send your Holy Spirit to guide us, Lord, and to prepare our minds to receive what it is you've got in store for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're right. Well, all right. Good morning, everybody. As Kyla just pointed out, we're getting ready to begin studying first corinthians so i don't know about everybody i'm excited and um you know this is uh corinthians is how the lord has been leading us or has led us and um i think part of it a big part of it is when when the apostle paul wrote this he was focusing on christian conduct and in christian conduct it is twofold one it is addressing how we are to behave or act and, and by act, I don't mean acting, but how, we're, how we are to live and go through life in Christ so that everyone can see and notice that we would be a pattern example, much like Christ. But then the second part of that is this, that there are things that in every life that need to be addressed and brought under uh, the blood of Christ, but that we need to uproot because they don't reflect the nature, the character, and the attributes of Christ in our life. So this is, is twofold, and that's a, a big portion of why uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this. And it's something that we can all learn from. I mean, every book in the Bible focuses on those things, among many other topics. But there is a lot of divine wisdom here that we should listen, adhere to, and then apply to our lives because it will only bring us further or deeper in our relationship with Christ. And again, it is so that we can be a light to others that they can see and, and ultimately that they can come into and know Christ and who he is in all his fullness. So that being said, um, could I get a volunteer to read First uh, Corinthians verses one through nine, please. I will. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, Sosthenes, Sosthenes, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who are in every place. Call in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. 
that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also conform, confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, as is our, our custom here, I want to open the floor to each of you first to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you and to ask any questions that you have, right? So we can all learn and grow together. All right? Okay. So who would like to begin? I do. Okay, Layla. <laughs> Let's hear it. Um, so what caught my attention when um, Paul was talking about our fellowship with Christ and he said that we would be short and no gift. Now, taking a look at that, that's not just um, fashion to like, being a psalmist or something, but it's your talents also, your treasures that he's given you to glorify him. And so when you come into Christ, you're an all-well-rounded person. He's already put everything that you need inside of you. Now what has to happen is as you walk with him, you've got to grow those things and mature them so that it bears fruit and others can see it, but it's already there. The minute you took Jesus as your Savior, those were already there and yours. You just have to cultivate it, and it takes time. Um, a baby doesn't start walking the minute it pops out of the womb. It takes time to grow and get its legs right and toddle and everything else, and so do we. So with that being said, don't be discouraged when you see that you don't have it immediately because it takes time. It always takes time, and it, it's better for it to be cultivated than to be rushed through and slapped down on the paper because that's how mistakes are made. But God doesn't make mistakes. And so you're a well-rounded person. You've got all the gifts and talents that God has for you. And if you've got all the gifts that God has for you, that means you've got everything you need to please him, to be pleasing in his sight. And so you don't have to worry of what if God's not pleased with me because he's pleased with you doing with the, what he asked you to do with the gifts he gave you. Um, I was reading a devotional by Kenneth Hagin. It was a faith Bible study course, and he said, there's two different kinds of righteousness. There's righteousness as a gift from God. That's what you get when you become um, born again into his family. And then there's a state of righteousness that has to be cultivated and grown. And he equated it to the growth of a human child. It takes time to, from being conceived to being an adult to be able to reproduce and everything else that it's supposed to do. Likewise with us, it takes time for us to reach that point. But the key to that is not becoming discouraged or casting away our faith that has good reward at the end of it because we don't see it immediately. Mm -hmm. oh. Amen. Layla, fill in the blank for me. Without blank, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay, how does it apply to what you just said? Without Faith or acting and okay, so 
The definition, best definition of faith is taking God's word, believing it as true and acting as though it's true. So without acting on God's word, you're saying, God, I don't believe you. So without so saying, God, I don't believe you, you can't possibly be pleasing to him. Nobody likes being said you're a liar, called a, you're a liar. Like I get mad when somebody calls me a liar, whether I'm doing it or not. But <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's please let's perfect that. Let's speak the truth. Yes. In love yes, at all times. Yes. Uh huh. Go ahead. So it's not pleasing in his sight because he gave you his word. He gave you those gifts to accomplish his will in the earth. But it's activated by faith. And if you can't trust God, you can't please him. You can't complete the mission because you're going, Lord, you're lying. My eyes don't see it. And so what happens is the parallel and the spiritual, you won't see it. It is already there. It just takes time for you to see it in the natural. Okay. Thank you, sweetheart. So let's, let's put that in a different direction. So as you go in the life that God has given you, the, the new creation that you are when you become saved, believe God will help you cultivate those gifts. So begin to cultivate those things on the inside of you and trust that he will be able to bring them forth as you go. And that he loves you and he's not looking to bonk you on the head or cast you out because he already committed to not doing that. But he's looking and he will begin to have those gifts come forward and manifest. It's for us just to keep moving in Christ. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Thank you, sweetheart. Boys, Kyla, Dean, anybody? I'll go. I have found it interesting. First four, I think my God always concerned you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. I just found that scripture very interesting because it just reminds me of how we are not the people who have done this. It's not because of our own faith inside of ourselves and that we knew we needed a savior that we got it but it was most of the Lord thinking about us and going and acting it out for us because unless he is unless God said you need a savior nobody would have thought of it we thought we were going correctly and what it kept on going along much like if you're doing something wrong and you have no clue it's wrong you keep doing it until you know it's wrong <laughs> okay so I just found that interesting in how he was always thanking God that he was that they're shown the true way of going about it. I just found it interesting because it differed from many other Pharisees during the time because they thought they knew more than everybody else and they preferred that method. But how Paul was not looking at his holy standing in God, but he was looking about how the Lord was blessing and using others and make, drawing them into his kingdom. There's a difference between having a holy outlook, like outside, and having it inward. And that's how we should be in our own lives. We shouldn't just care about how we look on the outside, but we should have motives like the Lord. The Lord wants to see everybody go to heaven. So should we. We shouldn't just care about ourselves so much that we are unwilling to give to others and help them come along into Christ. But we should be willing to help guide them in a way that we can both learn. 
So wait, are you are you referencing how Pharisees seemed outwardly pious? Yes. But inwardly were distant from God? Yes. And versus how Jesus said to be inwardly toward God and understanding his his ways and his strategies and his heart and not and the inside the light will begin to show on the outside but not focusing on our how we look to other people as in a way to come off as being pious but to be genuine in our pursuit of Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. What else, honey? I have to find the scripture I was about to reference real quick. Can you paraphrase it? No, I'd like him to look the scripture up. That's okay. We Why have time. Go in the meantime. Okay. <laughs> so you're saying hurry up and get out of my way. <laughs> Promise. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't saying that. Oh. I was trying to help Bobby look up the scripture. Oh, okay. Good. I'm I'm happy to hear that, darling. The Lord's showing me two points from the first point was first four words says, I think my Lord sorry, not my Lord, my God, always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. The Lord showed me that when Paul was talking about my God. He was showing me that he was making it personal to him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going, well, your God could, is the God of this. He said, my God or our God. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a good insight there, Promise. He was willing to share his God with others. I think that's something that you, you referenced. But as... Um, We've noticed with uh, when we read the Gospels and the disciples were talking with Jesus and other people came alongside and were casting out demons, they were like, wait, wait, stop. You know, stop them, Lord, because they're not among us. And so the, the tendency that we as humans can have to be selfish with the word of God and go, that's my God, get your own, you know, <laughs> and not want to share is something that we all have to make sure that we are allowing the same generosity and mercy that God showed towards us to be displayed towards other people. Um, You kind of saw that with Jonah. He didn't want the Ninevites to have a chance for redemption because Israel was the chosen people. And he felt like salvation and his word, the revelation and knowledge and insight from God only belonged to the children of Israel. When God said, wait, I'm their God, just like I'm your God. Go do what I asked you to do. So that's good, promise. And also the second part where Paul said, for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. The Lord showed me that. With that, he wasn't going, well, you gained that by yourself. Like, he made a point to go, you got this by the Lord. Mm-hmm. The, you obtain grace because also of your own decision, but because the Lord opened his hand and gave it to you. Absolutely. It's a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I have a question for you, sir. Yes. So what is grace and what is mercy? Do you know? <laughs> if you don't know, it's okay to say so. Uh, no. Okay. So grace uh, is simply this. It's receiving something that you do not deserve. 
And mercy is not receiving something that you do deserve in the form of a punishment or consequence or discipline, right? Yes. Okay, so you can bring it back to what did we receive in Christ? Salvation, yeah? Yes. Okay. So there's that. We receive salvation, which we access because, or the Lord gave us because of his love. And he poured out his grace on us to give us this blessing, this gift of salvation that we didn't deserve. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. But then he also, in that, was the punishment or propitiation. He paid the punishment, the ransom, to redeem us from our sins and the penalty, which was death, which we will not receive. So in there, all that is all those who accept him as he is Lord and Savior and acknowledge that and believe in him will not receive or have received mercy, which is not receiving the penalty, the punishment that's justly or rightly due us, which is death. He paid that. So grace is receiving something that we do not deserve. And mercy is not receiving something that is due us. In the form of punishment consequence, yes, and a negative. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Good. That's a really good um, explanation of that. And certainly is a sweet deal with Jesus. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I get all the good that he he won and his through his life and his death and his resurrection. I get all the good of his saying it is finished. And he has taken for me and I miss what I deserved because of sin. Now, that doesn't mean that we take that and use it as a cloak for us to continue in sin. Absolutely. But we go we're not going to add anything else to that tab, and we thank you, Lord. We're going to take the exit from that lifestyle, and we're going to pursue you, Jesus Christ, and be appreciative of the life and the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so continue, sir. Please. And also, the Lord showed me verse um, 8, where it says, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was really brought to my attention because the Lord brought to my remembrance something that Brother Hagen said that when you don't just do nothing in confirm yes, confirmation comes, but you have to Actually, do what the Lord tells you, and the Lord follows it with confirmation. Goes, yes, it's my servant, like with Jesus and Moses. Mm -hmm. They didn't just sit around and go. Well, they did go. Thus is the Lord. They didn't just go sit around and say, "Thus is the Lord," but they also said exactly what the Lord said. Nothing more, nothing less. And the Lord came and said, "Yes, this is what I said," and He confirmed it. How did he confirm it? What would, and especially in the Old Testament, with the prophets, how did he confirm it? Dad, what do you mean? So, if <laughs> your your example, sir, the prophets stated exactly what the Lord said, right? 
Yes. Thus says the Lord, and they would speak exactly what the Lord had spoken to them. Right? Yes. And then what happened? So the Lord confirmed it. Yes. Okay. How did the Lord confirm the word that he spoke? The Lord did exactly what they said the Lord was going to do. Yes. You saw the manifestation, or in other words, you saw the results of the word spoken. Exactly what was said came to pass, yes? Yes. Okay. The same thing happens in our life, yes? Yes. Whether, and I say when we say the exact things that the Lord has told us to say or speak or to or do the exact things the Lord has told us to do, we see the results of that. It manifests itself, right? Yes. Okay, and if we end up speaking out of the flesh which is not saying what the Lord said to say or doing what he said to do. We see the results of that too, yeah? Yes. Okay, and it, but it doesn't look anything like what the Lord said. And actually, it well, we've gone over this many times. If we sow in the flesh, it reaps corruption, yeah? Yes. Which is not good fruit. It is bad fruit. It's horrible and detrimental. So it just makes sense to just say what the Lord said to say and do what the Lord said to do. Yeah? Yes. Okay. And that's it. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Anything else? Well, while you're looking that up, um, I want to point something out that I thought was interesting. All right. In the very first verse, Paul says that he is called, I mean, this is his intro. He says he's called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Right. And then, of course, mentions Sosthenes, our, he's not just his, but our, the, the church brother but then he says he continues and says the church of god who's at corinth who's sanctified in jesus christ called to be saints and then he, he keeps he continues and in verse four he begins discussing spiritual gifts right but really verse four is a continuation of what he's already saying in verse one this was a calling. This was what he, Paul, was set apart for. It's a, it's a spiritual gift to hold the office of an apostle, right? One that the Lord blessed him with. So, and you can see how the Lord was bringing him up, as it were. Um, in many books, he discusses his, his certifications, qualifications, his pedigree, right? Being a Pharisee of Pharisees and and following all the laws and, of course, studying everything. But his role, the one that the Lord had for him, was to be an apostle. His office? His office, yes. His role, his office, was to be an apostle of Christ, mm-hmm. not just another Pharisee. And I'll give a little background. Is it um, In Acts 18 is where... Paul is, um, it covers what's here in 
in Corinthians and discusses the Corinthians. And actually in Acts 18, I'm not going to read the whole thing, obviously. I'll, I'll let each of you look it up for yourself and, and study it and let the Holy Spirit minister it to you. But uh, in verse 7, 18, Acts 18, 17, it talks about how then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment. Um, but Galileo took no notice of these things, right? So it also gives, um, I'll say, the, the title, the position, if you will, of Sosthenes and what he experienced. And, and I find this interesting, and, and uh, I want to bring this up for two reasons. One is in verse 2. It says, To the church of God, which is in Corinth. Now, I, I want to make note that this is not just, Corinth is not just the church of God. It is one of the churches. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. Because if we really look at Acts 18, what happens there? And I'll paraphrase it for those that don't know and let you, you know, read it uh, in your own time and study it out. But Paul is there, he's ministering. He's even ministering in the synagogue. And there is resistance to the Word of God. There are, are many people that claim to believe, but ultimately what's happening is it's a following of traditions, not realizing that all these traditions that are being followed are at the core meant to point people to Christ who died for them. And that's what he is saying here, right? That Paul is, you're sanctified in Christ. It's not through the, the religious traditions. It's through Christ and his blood that he shed. And many didn't believe, and it, it created all sorts of divisions, so much so that in Acts 18, it even discusses how Paul left the synagogue and actually went and, and started a house church as a result of just the, the mindset of the people to not believe in the Lord. But then what was the results? In Acts 18, the, the house church ended up being next door to the synagogue. And then one of the leaders of the synagogue actually became a believer, a follower of Christ. So, and I, I bring that up for, for multiple reasons. One, because one, we are the church, no matter where we go. If it's in a church, if it's in a synagogue, if it's in a, we are the church. We are the body of Christ, right? It's not about creating divisions. It is about simply following and being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I assure you, even though it's, it's not stated exactly, you can see it with any believer, any person who comes into or under the blood of Christ and acknowledges him as Lord and Savior of their life, there is a change. And if, I believe it's Claudius is his name, or Crispus, Crispus, that's in Acts 18, 8, says the ruler of the synagogue believes on the Lord with all his household. And then many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. I assure you that synagogue was different and was never the same. Did they still follow some of the same traditions i'm sure but now with new insight and understanding just like what happened to paul 
and it talks about this in Galatians, where, yes, Paul studied, and he was incredibly gifted and smart and certified, and I'll say he was operating at the, the doctorate level when it came to knowing the word, but the Lord still pulled him out. And he after he preached for three years and then brought him out for 14 years into the wilderness, and the Lord taught him through the Holy Spirit. And, and Paul is clearly never the same. He, he was given new insight, new wisdom, new knowledge, new understanding of the Lord and who he truly is. And you see that difference in Paul from persecuting believers and Christians to helping them to come into a, a proper and true relationship, a personal, deep, and intimate relationship with the Lord individually not through anyone else. And I find that in, like just fascinating because that is how he's starting his, his letter, his epistle to the Corinthians, is to build them up. He, yes, he addresses some things that are wrong, clearly right out, the, right out of the gate, as it were. But it's encouraging them and reminding them of you already have these things in Christ. And Layla, just like you pointed out, right? An infant right, can't immediately get up and walk and run and all those other things. Those are gifts and talents and right which the Lord has given us. Yes. That we are we have, but it must be developed. It must be matured, right? An infant yes. has everything that it needs to be a fully functioning adult inside it, mm-hmm. at birth. Mm-hmm. However, those things, those gifts, must those skills, talents, whichever way you want to phrase it, or the combination thereof, must be mature. They must be developed and improved upon. And that comes with time and with dedication, and right, which the Lord does in and through us as we continue to to yield to him, to submit to him and his lordship over our lives, just holding fast to him, just like, uh, I'll say, a, a child to a parent, right? The more time that child spends with their parent, being matured, being perfected, being having their skills, talents, and all those other things improved upon, right? Uh, or tweaked, as it were. Even though that yes, you are you're doing it right, great, but we can still improve upon that a little bit, right? Yes. Okay, it's the same thing with Christ, only on a, a much deeper and grander level. So it's just I love how Paul brings that out here, and he first starts with himself as the example. Like, look, I am. This is my role in Christ through Christ is what he's saying. He's allowed Christ to mature him and also um, encouraging and admonishing others. Allow Christ to do this in you. Christ is, is faithful. He'll do the work he said he'll do in you, but you have to allow him. You can't fight and resist with him. And then also remind them, you're the body of Christ. You're to be the light in the darkness. You're the, the city on a hill the salt of the earth. This is your role and your place and your position because the Lord has sanctified you to do these things. And he's given you the, 
the talent, the, the gifts, spiritual as well as natural. You already contain it. Now develop it so you can fully, in all the fullness, be that example. Yeah, I just I had a couple of things that were kind of standing out to me in verse 7 and verse 8. Um, and I think, uh, Charles, your, your version in um, verse 8 said confirm was the word that was used there. Mm-hmm. Um, and my version has sustain. Mm. So, you know, because it's available to us and we have such wonderful tools with our smartphones and all, let's just go back, you know, and say, what is this? You know, what does this mean? And so we can um, dig deeper into those those words. There's a fullness that we get um, as we dig into some of the words and um, as we look back into the original text because, you know, Paul was speaking to an audience that, you know, we have a tendency to think wasn't very learned, but they were. And it was very common, especially for uh, the the Israelites to have been deeply ingrained in the word and know the Torah very well uh-huh. and uh, had a very large vocabulary, very expansive. And um, the Hebrew is um, and the Greek is much more expansive than our English language. Our English language is very limited. And so there's a fullness that can come from looking at the words and really trying to understand them. So let's, let's look at that a little bit. Um, that sustain is a bebayo. Um, and um, it means to confirm, to ratify, secure, establish, pass, or to guarantee. So there's, there's a lot more to that than what's happening. It's not just a confirmation. It's his commitment to guarantee that these things will come forth in us, that they're firmly established as we look at that. And then um, let's go back over to seven. The other word that was jumping out at me was revelation. Oh. And looking at Revelation, and that is uh, apapakalupus. So that, and pardon my uh, trying to pronounce these words, but um, more important, we understand that. Uh, so this is a definition of this as an unveiling, an uncovering, a revealing, a revelation. Oh. So there's just more to all this. One of the things that um, you know, I encourage everyone to do as a believer is as uh, you're seeing exemplified here of digging into the word, looking deeper into it, not just getting hung out on the surface of it. Um, never want to take a verse out of context. You know, it's it's always a challenge when you take a single verse that you may put it out of context, but you can look at verse by verse and dig into word by word and really get it and really take the time to even write those down and just look deeper to see what God has to share with you in that. So I just thought those were important to Kind of look a little deeper into those words. Thank you, Dean. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. And I'm going to read those um, verse 7 and 8 in the complete Jewish Bible. It says, so that you are not lacking any spiritual gift and are eagerly awaiting the revealing of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. He will enable you to hold out until the end and thus be blameless on the day of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. And so like the, the concept, the thought of holding out. You know, like I, you guys have, my kids have heard a little bit about who I was before Christ rescued me. And I was a person who um, 
wanted to manipulate the word to suit my fancy. I will abstain from the word because it didn't align with what I wanted to do at the moment, but still at the same time wanted to be able to invoke, if you will, my salvation, engage in salvation at a moment's notice in case Jesus was coming back in the time that I was in the midst of sin and would even go so far as to go, don't come back right now because I knew I was committing a sin. So the ungodliness that I perpetrated, you know, thank God for his mercy. He didn't give me what I deserved at that moment. I appreciate that. But following that, I also had the concern, how will I last? How will I endure Jesus with all this um, sin? How will I be able to hold out and not engage in that? And as time went on, he helped me to see that sin, while it appears enticing to the flesh, the consequence is not enticing. (laughs) And ultimately, it's not what I desire. So as he cultivated his gifts and the revelation and the uncovering of Jesus Christ on the inside of me, I was able to go, okay, I don't want to sin. I don't want the consequences. I don't. I don't want my heavenly father to be displeased. I don't want to put to shame the what Jesus did on the cross. I don't want to shame him with my behavior. So I have no further need or use of these sinful acts or behaviors, these things. But to know on the early stages of my walk with Christ that he will make sure I make it to the end as long as I desire ultimately to make it, he will make sure I get there. Now, if someone says, never mind, God, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. He's not going to force you to get there. You have the option. Um, Jesus said that I have you in the palm of my hand and no one snatches you out. But the other side is you have a free will. You can climb out. And that's something that the Lord had to make clear to me. So you have to choose to remain. But once you make that choice and you continue and remain in that choice, he will see to it that you make your way into eternity and to see his face, which is if you're a believer, if you've come to him, that's ultimately what you want. And God will confirm that on the inside of you with both the witness of the Holy Spirit and what he does for you in your daily walk and make sure you get there. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that, Dean. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Who else? Would you find that verse, sir? Yes. Okay. Well, please share it with us. It's Luke 18, verses 10 through 14. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, exhortationers, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Extortion? Extortioners. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, will not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay. Tie it together for us, my love. Yes, please. How I was describing inside of uh, when I was talking about verse four, and I was saying that Paul wanted to see other people come into Christ, and he didn't just want to give the perspective of him being holy and pious in the moment, but he wanted to have a true relationship and be truly holy with the Lord. And how the Pharisee he wanted to give off the perception of him being 
a holy man and that second, but the tax collector who per, not pretended, but he knew he was a sinner and still came to the Lord, how he was truly the one who was justified at the end of it. The Pharisees' words were empty, whereas the tax collectors were felt with heartfelt sincerity. And that is what gets you, what puts you in a place in order to receive salvation. We can speak great words of how we want to have salvation, but and unless we truly want to change our actions and do that, we will never get it. Like, I can say, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be so holy. But unless I take the actions to be holy, I will still be sinning. And also just remembering that is it is our humility and humbling ourselves towards Jesus Christ and accepting that he knows the best and that in us, in our flesh, there dwells no good thing. I could be the nicest person. I could never say a bad word. I could always be polite. I could never even have coffee or anything like that. Suck on a piece of candy too long. Anything that appears to be righteous, but it it means nothing before Jesus Christ. It is as filthy rags in his presence because there is no way that we could earn righteousness before God. We have to submit ourselves to this is the plan. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So that means we have to go, okay, God, the route that you've chosen is acceptable. And then after we engage with him and in, in, in act, we believe in our heart and confess that our mouth, with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, now we begin to actively pursue him, not be satisfied with the perception of this person thinks I'm holy, but what does God say about my condition? Does it stand up to measure as what he requires from me, but not looking for anything that we could ever do to justify ourselves? Yes. Exactly. Thank you, sir. Thank you for tying that together. Um, there's a lot in what we've discussed this morning, so I think we're going to pause there for today um, to allow you have to have time to to listen, uh, listen again if you need to, and to let the Holy Spirit minister to you, especially as you you look over the, the scriptures and what we've been discussing and and study it out for yourself. And if you have any questions, by all means, we're, you can always email us at a day of prayer at yahoo.com. We are more than willing to, to discuss the word with you and, and to answer questions that you have. So, and whether it's questions you have, whether it's prayer requests, any of those things, please reach out, contact us. We'd love to hear from you. But all right. Um, so let's pause there for today. And with that, can I get someone to close us out in prayer, please? I will. <coughs> Excuse me. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and we thank you for our listeners and that you have more than enough power, God, and you're capable of sustaining us as we walk before you, God, that you have your heart is set to help us walk upright before you, God, and that you have grace and mercy for us, God. Lord, that we ask that you keep our partners and our listeners' hearts and their minds, God, that you clothe them in your righteousness, God, and you help them see you and to understand you more deeply, that they can discern your voice, God, that they can hear even the faintest of the whispers, that they can clearly know who you are, God, and that they understand what's the truth and what's a lie, God. Lord, we ask that you keep all those 
that we know that you keep all those that we commit to you, God. And we just ask that you help those that may be struggling, God, because you know what it is that's on their heart. And we thank you for our leaders, God, that their hearts are in your hands. You know what you're doing, God, and you'll make it right because you're just God. We just thank you for all these things. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. 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 Well, we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.